Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you can disconnect from your head just to get into it, you'll begin to see things as they are, not necessarily how they feel. Welcome back to the Blur Girl podcast, folks. I'm Karen Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blur Girl. My guest today is none other than writer, director, producer, and horror fanatic Rodney Barnes. Not only do we talk about his award-winning comic books, Philadelphia and Nia Haw's Nightmare blog, I dig into his huge deal with Substack, plus how he was able to create his own comic book imprint, Zombie Love Studios. Plus, we talk about his new comic with 90s rapper Exhibit. Plus, we get to talk about his upcoming podcast, Run Fool. I cannot wait to dig into all this with you. But first, let's pay some bills. Journey into the world of Asunda with Otaku Noir's latest mystery box. They're collaborating with Stranger Comics to bring you exclusive art, apparel, comics, and collectibles. There are four different box designs, each featuring unique artwork from the talented Raheem Milton. This box will also include the 2024 Black Cosplayer calendar. The Otaku Noir mystery box is the perfect gift for the upcoming holiday season. Orders close on November 27th. Go to otakunoir.com and use promo code THEBLURGIRL to get a discount on your order. Rodney Barnes is a renowned writer and producer with standout TV series like Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, Wu-Tang, American Gods, Everybody Hates Chris, and of course, The Boondocks. But he's also a big comic book creator. He earned an Eisner Award nomination for his horror comic, Philadelphia, and Penn Monarch, also a horror comic, both of which were released under Image Comics. He's also done a lot of licensed comic book work too, like Army of Darkness, Marvel Lucasfilm's Lando Double or Nothing, Star Wars The Mandalorian, Marvel's Falcon, and Secret Empire. But under his Zombie Love Studios imprint, Barnes showcases Nita Haw's Nightmare blog, 20 Degrees Past Rigor, and Florence and Normandy, which is his new comic in collaboration with rapper Exhibit, which drops in 2024. Barnes was also one of an elite crew of comic book creators who struck a pretty hefty deal with Substack back in 2021. And his newsletter, Dark Apocrypha, is where everything comes together. Up next, my conversation with Rodney Barnes. Rodney, I am so excited that you are back to join me. It's been a minute. I think the last time I talked to you, it was my live stream on Twitch and it was like 2021, which is Mm. like 35 years ago. That's way too long. That's way too long. I'm it, about 10 years older. Now. Exactly. It's like, I keep telling everybody, like, the pandemic was the blip, so we all lost about a decade. I have some notes about what we talked about last time, and I think this is going to be really fun to sort of walk down memory lane for a second. So you were in the writer's room for Winning Time, mm-hmm. season one, the first time we, we spoke. Winning Time, The yes. Rise of the Lakers, your hit show on Max. Now season two just finished airing and you've won a Black Reel Award and were nominated for an Emmy. Congrats. Mm -hmm. And you also did a podcast for that show, right? Yes, I did. The Winning Time Podcast. Yeah. 
You also had just launched your own imprint, Zombie Love Studios, mm-hmm. and inked to deal mm-hmm. with Substack, where you run your dark apocrypha newsletter. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I'm a subscriber. Um, Nita Hawes' Nightmare Blog, the spinoff to Philadelphia, had just come out. Mm-hmm. And you hinted that you might be doing a little something with Blackula. Yes. And now Blackula and Nita Hawes are out. Philadelphia mm-hmm. continues. You had another mm-hmm. kids comic, I think. Monarch? Uh, Monarch. I did a book, Monarch. Yeah, it was a little bloody for kids, but yes. <laughs> and then there I were saw, kids in it. There were but kids they in were it, running but was... for their lives. But yes, yes, those poor kids. <laughs> it was like anime. You were just killing them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. And then I saw a Mandalorian comic in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you recently you announced a comic with Exhibit, mm-hmm. and then. Somebody from your team sent me an Alice Cooper comic that features Prince and Michael Jackson mm-hmm. in hell with Richard Pryor. There you go. Yes. What are you Miles t- Davis is in the background, too. Oh, yes. my God. Um, so let's start with these comics, man. Uh, and also, since, you know, we're in spooky season and horror is your jam. Yep. Blackula Return of the King. Yeah. That dropped January of this year, which also probably feels like 20 years ago. It does. <laughs> For those who don't know, what is the premise? Is this tied to the original movie? It is tied to it. I actually do a recap in every chapter. It's five chapters long. And every chapter, I sort of use the movie as motivation and incentive to um, to sort of say why I did this. Um, it's not literal in that sense, but why... Prince Mama Waldi, a.k.a. Blackula, is still relevant, um, why he fits in today's world. And then the ongoing narrative within the story is supporting that idea that he does fit in this world and that um, he has a place and a significant place. And um, hopefully folks dig it. Well, it seems like a lot of folks are digging it. Um, I believe that is the hardcover out, the full hardcover comes out this spring. Okay, it's actually being printed as we speak, but uh, I think it's in previews now. And did Jason Sean Alexander do the art on that, or he, he did. did? That's your buddy. That's I'm your partner in crime. I don't know how. Uh, when I when it's over for me and I get to wherever I'm going, I'm going to ask, "What was Jason? Why did Why did y'all put me with Jason of all the people? In the world? <laughs> we have the same birthday too." Do you really? We do have the same birthday for being so different as human beings. We it's like the universe is teasing us in some way. Wait, when's your now I gotta know, when's your birthday? September nineteenth. Oh, it just it just passed. Well, in it fact it passed, passed a month ago. Yeah. Happy belated. Happy Thank belated. You Thank you very much. Jason's art is absolutely incredible and, and that's one of the things that I've been like fascinated with watching. Um now winning time. Mm-hmm. See, winning time was canceled. Because uh, Max canceled a lot of things this year. It did. And we were along with it. I mean, I think it was tough whenever you try to bring a show in the midst of two strikes where you can't really properly promote it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people didn't even know we were back on. But very proud of the work that we did. Um, you know, it was a, it was an online campaign, I think, to try to bring yep. the show back. And a lot of people who were outraged that the show had ended so glad that some people loved it and um you know onward and upward absolutely i mean you have a a long career in television and you've done so many incredible incredible shows um i'm sure you're gonna have another fantastic one next lord willing the you will oh stop okay uh, uh, 
My kids are outside shivering right now. They're nervous. They're oh, nervous my God. Is this it? Is it over, Daddy? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's got, everything's got to end. Well, let, let's, talk, let's talk about the strike just briefly because for mm-hmm. people who don't understand that the mm-hmm. actors' union is still on strike, but the writers' strike yes. is now officially over. Mm-hmm. What was the win? What what was the uh, the thing that you guys were able to do? And I know when I say you guys, I am mm-hmm. clearly not referring to you, you yourself as mm-hmm. the person who was doing all the negotiating. But- I wish I was. Um, <laughs> no, I mean I think you know we got we got the bumps in in pension and healthcare that typically we're shooting for. But I think the bigger things are limitations with AI restrictions as to how it's going to be used larger writer's room so that younger people get an opportunity to come in and build careers. Also, they can stay on. Writers get to stay on during production, which means that writers can come to set and they can learn how to actually produce and um, figure out how everything works as far as the set is concerned. And, you know, more often than not, you know, showrunners or executive producers are the only ones that um, stay on and come to set. Now, the actual writer can as well. So there's a myriad of things. I mean, it's a really long list of stuff, but uh, it was a win. I'm just sorry that it took so long, like so many months. And there was so much acrimony and, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of money and a lot of things. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's tough. You know, and then, like mm-hmm. you said, a lot of people like yourself have kids, have families, have mortgages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. while you're striking, you're trying to stay afloat you know manage all that stuff yeah it's 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 tough but i'm happy that a resolution was uh achieved and i can't wait to see your your next tv show me too but in the meantime you got 157 comics i do too many far too many as i look up to my board um far too many books well the last time we spoke you said i feel like i took a note on this you said you you write something like 12 or 13 books a month. Are you still running at that pace? It's 8 to 10 now. Okay. It feels like 12 to 13. <laughs> the So, okay. Um, Blackula, is that getting another volume? Or yes. is that str- Okay, so yes. you're, you have that yeah, going I'm, on. I want to do three volumes of Blackula. Um, Blackula takes a little bit longer because both Jason and I are really, really busy. It's an expensive book to put mm-hmm. together. It's a labor of love. So it's not just something that you sort of crank out. Yeah, it's very lyrical. Even the way the text comes mm-hmm. in and out, it's not the same as your average, mm. like, nine panel up, you know, fit mm-hmm. everything in nice boxes. It's inspired. Yes. It's inspired. It's very inspired. You have all these other comics, these <laughs> Monarch. <laughs> now, like, the mm-hmm. last one, now, again, it's not necessarily for children. It's about children. It's another yes. horror comic. Um, yes. The last volume drops, or the next... The uh, trade comes out. Uh, the trade is, fortunately, right here this. in my hand. Um, so uh, this dropped about two weeks ago, a week ago. I think a week ago for the uh, trade paperback. But uh, issue number six, which was the last um, issue in this miniseries, uh, mm-hmm. came out about two weeks before, two weeks prior. Okay. And for those who don't know what Monarch is about, let's share a little bit about that. Monarch is about an alien invasion that takes place in Compton on a regular day, seemingly above a middle school. And that's how the kids get involved. And unfortunately, many of the teachers don't make it. Uh, The kids are the only ones that do, and they have to figure out how to survive amidst it. But there is one of the kids who may not be what he appears to be. 
So, got it. Okay, so it's you know at- attack the block Compton, but homeroom. You should have. You should have done that. I wasted everybody's time. You did it way better than I did. I don't even know why you let me talk. I should just sit here. You just sold a book. I'm ready to buy six uh, trade backs myself. Um, no, why Compton? Why did you set it in Compton? Because typically you don't see, you know, attacks from space, you know, things that have uh, earthly implications, you know, massive scale. They typically only happen in like New York, L.A., like over major cities. They don't they, they aren't very intimate. So I wanted to figure out a place that was intimate, that could speak directly to the culture and more so than having um, this expansive thing. If you think Independence Day, you know, when they're over the White House and Mm -hmm. they're over certain cities and you've got the president involved, then yeah, there's some regular folks involved, but they have the power to make major decisions and affect this thing. If you're just kids, you got to figure out how to survive. So it's a much more intimate story. So Mandalorian, I have written one licensed comic and you've written a lot more but Mm -hmm. in my limited experience the playground's smaller because you're playing with somebody else's toys but is it fun to be in that star wars universe so yeah it's an honor it's a it's an honor to be able to play in such a a big world i mean i think um i've done adaptations and just regular scripted stories too um but with the adaptations they're very uh as you said the boundaries are a lot closer and you have to work within the margins i'm basically making the tv show a comic book and i have to take something that's an hour long and make it 30 pages um which is 30 minutes of a sort so it's all about picking and choosing um, what's going to live and what's going to die you know, as far as the TV show is concerned, fans seem pretty happy with how we've adapted and, you know, put this thing together. Are you able to add anything in extra or do you literally? Yeah, so that's the thing with license. Even so, when I have like the quiet moments in the show, when the Mandalorians walk across the desert, I tried to put in some thoughts in there. They take all that out. All that's gone. Man. Just now, whatever are, you saw up there is what I got a TV. What you have with. to, what you have to write. That's well, are mean. they making you go like, is it, each comic is an episode? Is it like that? Or yes. is it? No, oh, okay. each comic is an episode. And you do season one. I've done season one, season two, and I'm waiting for season three. Gotcha. I mean, that's, that's, and it's interesting because you, you would think they'd want to expand a little bit, but I guess they're trying to play into people who might not watch the show, but be interested yeah. in specifically yeah. the comics. But fans are going to buy all of it, I think. Yeah. Or well, they have, they bought a half a million of the first one. So, yeah. Whoa. Awesome. And also, you are now part of the Star Wars universe. I am. I am. That's the coolest part of going to like any of the wiki. Like when I go to Marvel wiki, I'm like, ha, mm-hmm. I created that. Like, so you could like go to the Star Wars wiki and when they talk about the Mandalorian comic, like your name is in there. It's so in you there. Are, it's uh, you are Lando now and IG88. No, yep. let's, I'm doing a new Star Wars scripted book now. So yeah. Now, is that a prose or is it a comic book? I have one. No, it's a comic. I have uh, one series that's new. It's a horror series, Star Wars horror series I can't talk about. And then I have another adaptation of another Star Wars property that I can't talk about either, but I can say I'm doing <laughs> it. But horror is your jam. So they knew what they were doing. 
I, I, it seems like there's something there. I mean, I think because television has mostly been comedy and drama with some mm-hmm. genres sprinkled in, um, I wanted to get my horror fix in some way. I didn't want these things to fall by the wayside when you had ideas. So, you know, it's a nice way to be able to um, to express oneself in the horror realm. It's kind of working for you because we're about to be 31 issues into Philadelphia. We are. We are. And um, I just got a chance to see the 31st issue and I was tripping because I'm like, that's Spawn. That is Spawn. That is not Seesaw. That is Spawn. <laughs> no. So, Seesaw's in there. Yes. Me, him and Spawn are in panels together and talking and doing a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah, we've got- They're doing um, more than a whole bunch of stuff. He kicks his ass. <laughs> see, there you go. I'm glad you said it. I don't even know why I'm talking. You say it so much better with so much more energy. Um, yeah, this six arc is kind of eventful for our little book. We've got Spawn, we've got Blackula, we've got um, Dracula, we've got. So Savage wait, you can Dragon. bring you're you're bringing Blackula, bring your Blackula, in. oh my wow. Blackula into Philadelphia. This is it. Throwing everything at the wall. And Everybody's a Nazi's coming. already in there. A Nazi's already in there. Yep. So, so it's how did you get Spawn? Things. Like, is it, I mean, obviously Jason's drawing him, but like, did you have to sit down with Todd McFarlane and go, this is what I'm doing for six issues? Or? Jason begged for a long time. And then I had a Zoom and I kind of begged, but Jason had laid the foundation for the begging that I didn't have to beg too much. I had to basically just say, I know most of the alphabet and I promise not to do anything bad. And so there you go. I was wondering whether that, that was like a fight or what that Todd was like, as long as I co-write it. Because I know no, Todd's no, very no. precious. No, no, no. He was cool. He was his... incredible. No, okay. Todd Father's cool. Okay. Todd Father. Yeah. I Todd forgot. Father's cool. Todd yes. Father. I forgot. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Nita Haas. So mm-hmm. Nita Haas weaves in and out anyway because she's from the Philadelphia Universe. She's in there, too. She's in there for arc number six, too. She has her own thing. And her connection will be closer to, with Blackula. Okay. Um, than in the main fights. There's two things happening at the same time. You've got a fight happening in the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have more of a quieter story about what the implications are for later on down the road for everything. So her, James Jr., Jose, they're kind of in the house wondering what's going to happen next. And then there'll be a knock on the door and they'll find out what's going to happen next. And then blood happens. There you go. Always <laughs> blood. Always comes down to blood. <laughs> now, the, uh, Florence and Normandy. Mm-hmm. That's your new comic coming out with Exhibit. Yes. Another so, zombie love book. First of all, where'd you find Exhibit? <laughs> Where'd I find Exhibit? He was out rapping somewhere uh, in the Fox Hills Mall. Um, no, uh, Exhibit is a friend and... Um, we were talking one day and he knew that uh, I did comics and um, you can't follow me on Instagram and not see comics somewhere. And he said, you know, man, I got this idea. Okay, what's your idea? And as he talks, because I'm neurotic anyway, I'm forming, I'm doing a thing as he's talking. Um, I'm just going through the Rodna later. And, um, the Rodna later. Yeah, it's a computer. It's, a old, yes. it's way older than the first Mac. And... Um, <laughs> you know, coming up with a story. And then as he stopped talking, I was like, you mean something like this? And then I started talking. He was like, yeah, something like that. And then we went back and forth and back and forth. And then I sat down and wrote a script. 
and he dug the script and um, John Wayshack did the art and um, we were off to the races. So now this this is also horror, obviously. Mm-hmm. But what are they running from? What is this? It, it feel like it's zombies. Aliens. No, oh, it's, it's aliens. Aliens. It's aliens. We have another alien book. It's different okay. than Monarch in the sense that Monarch is mostly a, an intimate setting and intimate implications just for those characters that are right there. Florence and Normandy has global implications, and it's um, it gets more of the idea of what you would expect the L.A. rap scene and what when you look at a video any of those videos from that period of time like the chronic and all of that stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're things that you see you know the the imagery that imagery is a part of this story and it feels more like la than um monarch does okay and okay. their flashbacks to the symbolism what florence and normandy represents and all of that there's a cop there's a kid it's more political i guess in some ways so does it- a lot of stuff going on but if it also looks like it might be have like a little buddy comedy, it it no, it, there's there's some jokes, but, mm-hmm, but it's, it's not, not a comedy. so much. No, it, it's closer to the Defiant Ones, uh, okay, the movie The Defiant Ones, where two people are forced to work together in order to save themselves, but they, they hate would each be other. natural and enemies in this world that you know they operate in. Got it. Okay, and is that out or is that coming soon? It's coming spring. So we're going to have to maybe circle back and get exhibit. Yes, please. So we yeah, can have this sure. conversation I get exhibit again. on here too. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can come up with like all of the little acronyms for all of the characters and everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so Alice Cooper. Yes. I need to understand because this image that I was sent has, mm-hmm. like you said, I'm looking at Richard Pryor and Prince mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Jackson and they're mm-hmm. in hell. No, they're not in hell. They're not in hell. Where are they? Because I see, I see hell, the devil. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Between heaven and hell, like in a purgatory-like state, gotcha. there is a blues club. Okay. The devil desperately wants to be an entertainer. He is the main act in this club. And you better clap. And he has gotten all of the famous musicians that are in the afterlife to come in. To see him play. So that's where all of these people, Richard Pryor is a headliner, this person, it's like they all get an opportunity to play again, and then they go off to heaven, hell, wherever they go, but they are not in hell. It's okay. just the devil happens to be there, and the devil loves the blues. And that was the pitch. Yes, that's the pitch. So the pitch. How, how does Alice Cooper get involved? He's trying to keep well, the devil well, from... Here's the problem. Once the devil does okay... Now he's like, everybody's saying it's great to play for us. You know, we are legends and we are who we are. But mm-hmm. really, music is about the people. Uh-oh. So you got to go to Earth and you got to be accepted by the people if you want to be a star. And so the devil goes to Earth, but he finds out you've got all these other acts that you got to compete with. And his demo, because no young people really like the blues, skews older. Right. So certain people, you know, he eliminates a lot of bands and um, turns them to dust. U2 doesn't make it. Um, the Eagles, <laughs> any of those people, Earth, Wind, and Fire. All is that, that personal? Is that me. personal? It's not personal. No, 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 no. no. Okay, I'm just checking. I just saw U2. I love U2. <laughs> Big picture of me and Bono right over there. There you go. Alice Cooper is in this mix of uh, 
stars that he's trying to eliminate. And little does the devil know, but Alice Cooper has a relationship with the netherworld. And so they clash and it ends up to where now we have a final, um, a final conflict between Alice Cooper and the devil at the crossroads, the musical crossroads. Of course. Well, there's always a crossroads. That, that sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. Listen, mm-hmm. I... It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I can't wait to also talk to you about your um, podcast, Run Full, but we're going to have to take a break. Yes. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Rodney Barnes about his <laughs> horror podcast anthology, yes. Run Full, and also how he gets all of this done. So we'll That's be true. right back. When I was little, my grandmother used to tell me stories. Not calming bedtime parables, fairy tales, or the stuff of kid-friendly fantasy. She told me horror stories, cautionary tales, the type of stuff that kept me up at night. These were rumors and folklore about grisly murders from parts of the country you're not used to hearing about. Creatures with unfinished earthly business that stalk the woods at night. Spirits that possess children, otherworldly phenomena capable of inducing madness. Restless souls. My grandmother eventually passed, and I grew up. But these stories, they've stayed with me, haunted me. And this show, the thing you're listening to right now, this is my chance to exercise them. To get them out of my mind and into yours. My name is Rodney Barnes, and every week I'll present a new harrowing story, a new immersive world, and a new opportunity for you to question your safety and, at times, your sanity. For you to scream out as victims question their circumstances. Don't just stand there. Run, fool! From Campside Media, Atwell Media, and Ballin Studios, this is Run Fool. Follow Run Fool wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday starting November 14th. Welcome back to the Blur Girl Podcast, y'all. I'm Karen Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blur Girl, and I have the legendary mm. writer, producer, comic book creator, and now podcaster, mm-hmm. Rodney Barnes, with me. Hey. And we're going to talk about his new horror podcast, Run mm-hmm. Fool. It's like an anthology of stories, right? It's not one long story? No, it's an it's a anthology. Every week there's a new story, a new horror story. I'm basically reading you a scary bedtime story. Um, and the way it came together was I was talking to Matt Share from uh, Campside Media and another company. They had a... They had done a uh, a podcast that I was going to adapt for television, and so weeks and weeks and weeks we weren't be we weren't able to put that together with me. But uh, eventually, they asked if I had anything podcast wise, would I be interested in doing a podcast? Because I had done the Winning Time podcast, and that had been relatively successful. So I was like, sure, I love horror. Would you consider something in the horror space? So I came back to them with the concept. They dug it. And we started developing it. 
And we've been developing it for the past six months or so and um, got some really great writers and folks and producers and uh, Mr. Ballin, who does it, has his own thing and is huge in the podcast space and um, at Will Media and Campside. And so it's a big deal. Yeah. A lot of work in podcasts. It's it like is. another job. It is. It's well, a um, lot of work. I um, co-produced and co-hosted a horror podcast last year called Pop Paranormal with mm-hmm. my my boyfriend, Chuck Collins. But it's, it's a lot of work because there's a yes. lot of moving parts and then you get yes. guests and your guests, it's timing and then there's editing and then you got to go back and do all the set. You know, it's not as... I don't even want to call this podcast simple, but I don't have all the sound effects and bells and whistles that you have. Is there like a writer's room for a show like that? No, they, um, writers come, they have contract writers to actually write stories. A lot of it is based on folktales that already exist. So the framework is already there for most of the stories. Uh, it's just a matter of, um, putting them together. I mean, we operate, we have weekly meetings, sometimes bi-weekly. And we add and subtract, and all the producers have a hand in writing the episodes. Um, there's a core team of writers that lay the foundation, um, but we all have a say, and we all have a hand, and we all get into it. So it's not official writer's room like in television, but mm-hmm. there is certainly input from a lot of different places. Are you dropping everything at once? Are you doing like no, a it's one a week. thing? Okay. Yes, yeah, one a week. I think the first... Uh, November the 14th or 15th, when it drops, there'll be two episodes released on that day. The trailer comes out on Halloween, and then we're off to the races for the next 48 weeks. Four, four, wait, four to eight weeks or 48? 48 weeks. Whoa. Yeah, okay, so I thought, so you're not doing like 10 episodes, season one, no, and then take a 48 break. 48 episodes. It's an ongoing podcast. Wow. A job. That a is job. a job. Yes, that is a job. That is a job. Yes. Um, that's right. why you got that spiffy new microphone. I'm very proud of you. Yo, this is from winning time. That was the winning. Okay. I just have, now they're going to want it back. But uh, <laughs> yes. Don't tell them. Tell them you can't find it. Exactly. Listen, exactly. listen, I got this. If Discovery calls, I'm in trouble because yeah, I yeah, ain't letting yeah, this yeah. one go. <laughs> I'm not letting this microphone go. These headsets, all that's theirs. I don't own any of this. Um, so... I want to now hop into the why and the how of what you do. So mm-hmm. my biggest question, what I've been meaning to ask you for a while is Substack. Yeah. So your media company is Zombie Love Media. Zombie Love Studios, but I'm under sorry. that is media, but yes. Is the umbrella company is Zombie mm-hmm. Love Studios. Now, mm-hmm. Substack doesn't have, do they have a piece of that? No. Okay, so that's yours. Yes. Okay. But- you were one of the, well, I want to say a few black folks, but a few people in general that I think it was back in 2020, it was announced that Substack mm-hmm. was giving a deal to, to several comic book creators. Now, I know you legally can't tell me all this, the specifics of the deal, but three years later, does it seem like it was worth it? It does. I mean, I think that um, there isn't, comics have such a hard time with marketing. I think it's um, it's folks like yourself that even keep, the community alive it's certainly when you talk about people of color mm-hmm. because it's not like it was when i was growing up where you had comics on a spinner rack in every store and you could just get them for 20 cents and they were like uh disposable entertainment now they're five bucks um four bucks five bucks and you have to f- have a comic shop in your neighborhood or 
you have to get them online someplace in order to be able to be a part of the community. It's a lot harder. And I think the idea of the Substack being able to get it directly into people's hands in a digital way is a great idea. I just think that it's a commitment in and of itself just to continuously engage, engage, engage. So, um, you know, I'm blessed to be able to have that outlet to be able to deal with folks directly. I just wish it was more structured somewhat the way Got a it. comic shop would be. But yeah, 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 yeah. So that people can come in and find, go to the director. And they know exactly how to do a thing and they can, you know, take it in easier. But yeah. I still love the idea of it and I love it. Because there's a lot of these little imprints digital popping up now, like yeah. outside of Substack, like, oh, yes. me and seven other artists, it's, it's, yes. it's eight writers are all coming together and we're going to exactly. do a thing. It's like, okay, exactly. but what, how do we get that though? How do exactly. I? That's the thing. The thing is when you have so many people doing so many different things, you still come back to, this is great, but how do you get it in people's hands? And even as like on the press side, I remember like, TKO, I'm just using them as an example. They've mm-hmm. got a great thing and all of their they their whole mm-hmm. thing is uh not floppies but not graphic novels all the time mm-hmm. and they do great deals for their artists and 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 writers and everything. But as press, it was like pulling teeth to get an interview right. or get trying to get con- like right. who do I talk to? And everybody's right. all on Twitter saying how amazing it is and I'm like awesome. Can I talk to the person that made this right. though? Exactly. And it's like who what what number do I, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what email? <laughs> and so it's funny. One of the things I do on the side some, it sometimes is coach creators on marketing because even they're not even paying writers to write at outlets anymore. Like my whole mm-hmm. column is gone at sci-fi. Right. Like the, they're not even. So, and then I'm looking like, hmm, should I start a sub stack? But then it's the same thing. Like, how are they mm-hmm. going to find me? How are they going <laughs> to... Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping getting the this going again is gonna is gonna help. But yeah, it's it's really difficult, and there's it so is. much work that goes into these, and mm-hmm. especially like yourself, because you got you know 50, 11 kids and thirteen comic books a month. Yeah. They seem <laughs> like they get younger too. They don't get older and move out. They get they stay at a. They ain't going like anywhere. They've been ten for five years. No, it's but, but yeah. you know what? It's cause eggs are are ten dollars and Cheerios are fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like you can't mm-hmm. they can't leave. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and they don't want to leave. There's no incentive. I couldn't wait to get out of my mother's house. You and me both. These kids, they want to stay I crossed eight lines. I had to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd have left the planet if I could, but yeah. <laughs> so Let's talk about that balance a little bit. How do you balance? I mean, right now you're you're not in a writer's room, but how did you balance winning time with Philadelphia and Substack? Like, how do you? I mean, it was, and I was writing a couple of movies during the time and all of that. But I think Zoom from COVID helped a lot. That helped an awful lot. People no longer felt the need to be it like in no, the meeting. No, it, it wasn't quite as what it was right before COVID. So, um, so no getting stuck on the ten for thir- two mm-mm. hours. Four or five. Four or five. Four or five, five was the one. Four or <laughs> five was the one. You know, I could make it around the ten, but I couldn't make it. A, you need the four or five unless you try Sepulveda, and everybody else has that idea now too. And now it's a part of so, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, Zoom. Zoom was really the big thing. I subscribe to the, to Dark Apocrypha, which is a Substack. Mm-hmm. Do you have somebody mm-hmm. that helps you write that? Are you writing and then have somebody else edit it and get it out? Like, how yeah, are you Anthony, getting all the things my, moving? 
one of my assistants, I have two assistants, uh, Carlos and Anthony. Um, Anthony does, he manages the majority of the newsletter and cobbling all the information and basically pitching how things work and go. And this week we should talk about this. And yeah, 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 that sounds good. Do that. Um, uh, he could be saying anything about me. Anthony, I love you. Just so you and Honestly, he's better. making you sound amazing. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Anthony, um, get, give yes. Anthony a nice Christmas present because Anthony right. is working yes. his tail off. <laughs> he is uh, keeping people engaged, and he seems like he enjoys doing it. So, there you go. But, uh, yeah, Anthony does that. Carlos helps with the books and the scripts, and both of them kind of help back and forth with research and doing things. And I'm doing Jack Johnson right now for HBO. And Anthony has been, you know, invaluable as far as getting and getting uh, research and you know, little tidbits and anecdotes about Jack's life. And then on the other side, Carlos is helping with a couple of others. So it's always something to do. And, yeah, Carlos gets you to the plane on time. Yes. Um, so. That's awesome. Now, you were on Tanana Reeve, Do, and Stephen Barnes' podcast not too long ago, mm-hmm. Right for mm-hmm. Your Life. Love them. Friends of the show. They've been here. Yep. Also, horror aficionados as Me well. But I was surprised you when you were talking a little bit about some of the um, imposter syndrome that you have mm-hmm. battled in the past. I shouldn't say surprised because I guess everybody goes through it. My mm-hmm. question is, do you still have that? Do you still oh, have yeah. these moments? Oh, yeah. How do you, uh, how do you get past you who have like Emmy winning shows and mm-hmm. uh, Eisner nominated comic mm-hmm. books? How mm-hmm. do you get past imposter syndrome? I keep going. I remember one time, I've never really used drugs before, but there was this time where they had to give me a, um, I had some type of issue going on. They gave me a painkiller. It was the first time I had anything hard. And my pain, it made me understand the way painkillers work. The pain is still there, but it's like over here someplace. That was Percocet. Okay. Uh, because I no, it was I, oh, it's I think Dilaudid. Oh, Dilaudid. Dilaudid is the same Dilaudid. thing. I yeah. had... I had the same thing, and I said, "Oh, this is a problem because and I get I it now." <laughs> yeah. I understood. I understood. Crackheads. I yep. understood it, all of those people because it was almost like I could see my pain over there, and I didn't want it to come back. Mm-hmm. But it was this weird thing, and I look at imposter syndrome and insecurity. The first ten years of my career, um, massively plagued with insecurity um, around so many great, talented folks, and. I, you know, trying to figure out a way to jump in and find some value. And even when I did something good, you know, you still can't see it for what it is because you're feeling what you're feeling. And insecurity has a weird way of creating a sense of uh, its own unique narcissism of you're so worried that people are going to see you and the person that you think is inferior that you kind of create a barrier between the beauty of creativity, the ability to work with others, the ability to be empathetic with the people around you, because your whole focus is just your fear and mm-hmm. it paralyzes you in a way. And so for me, um, right around 2010, 2011, bottom kind of fell out of my career for a relatively short period of time. Got really, really sick, almost died. And sitting in a hospital room, I sort of made a decision that if I ever get a second chance to be back, I would handle it differently. Mm-hmm. And I'd start to work more from, shout out to Devon Franklin. He came in and prayed for me. And I was like, the prayer was so great. He should have saved that for the eulogy. But <laughs> it was, um, 
it, he really the message behind what he was saying was really um and devon franklin is the sexiest preacher on earth he's like the <laughs> sexy younger td jakes you know he just needs some initials devon is cool but if he could be dc like dc young fly but yes like, yes so, and his the the message within his prayer was about working from your heart not necessarily from your head all of this stuff is in my head and what made me whatever it is that i have that's good that's connected to this industry comes from my heart so if you can disconnect from your head just to get into it and you'll begin to see things as they are not necessarily how they feel and that started to become sort of the um the approach and I started to do more work. If you look at my IMDb mm-hmm. um, of my credits, you'll see a tale of two careers. You'll see sitcom, sitcom, sitcom. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden I start doing dramas and mm-hmm. genre and all this other stuff and comic books and these things. And I just started to work more from a place of what do I really want to do and what do I think I do best? More so than just taking a job and just saying, yes, yes, yes. I love all of the work that I've done. And all of it was sort of a boot camp of sorts to teach me. But you don't realize that when you're in a place of fear, you don't realize the good thing that you're getting from being in the environments that you're in. You only see the parts that hurt or the parts that feel bad. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, I still feel those things. I feel I still feel the impulses when I get a big gig. I just got a couple of really big gigs with iconic characters. And the first thing that pops in the head is you don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess this up. I want this to be perfect. A, it's not going to be perfect. Be anything I've ever written that was something that I'm proud of, a whole near and dear, was something that I, I went over a hundred times and needed and just put myself into. If I do that with these things, there's a sense of confidence now that didn't exist before that all I have to do is have the psychological and emotional endurance to stay with it long enough that it'll turn out as I want it to be. How it's going to be received, you can't control that. You know, you can't control how people are going to take a thing and they see what you were trying to do. But more often than not, what I was intending gets through when I put in the requisite work. And that can only happen if I'm able to put whatever's in my head, like that drug, off mm-hmm. to the side. Then it can come back. And it will come back. So it, so- it sounds like you, instead of fighting it, you acknowledge it, which is mm-hmm. sort of like you're saying, go to your room. Yes. I will deal with you when I'm finished work today. (laughs) Yes. In the beginning, the part that was the most painful was I wouldn't acknowledge it. I wore a mask. Yeah. I'm I'm the coolest guy and this is easy and this is great. And inside you're dying. You know, inside you're like, you have to live with yourself. And it becomes almost torture because every day you have to go through that same process of wearing this mask in an environment where it's already hard enough just as it is. Exactly. And you're putting another barrier in front of yourself. You're putting another barrier. And as soon as you can take that mask off and take off whatever pretentiousness comes with it, and you're able to just operate from a place of truth and be willing to mess up, be willing to fall on your face, be willing to not pitch a joke, to pitch a joke that doesn't work or to fail. Um, once you see that that doesn't kill you, you know, then you're able to continue. In football, it's like when a quarterback throws an interception, he doesn't quit and just walk off the field. You go back, there's another play. You keep playing. The game's not over yet. And it's the same thing with this too. 
See, that was your TED Talk right there. That oh, That's yes. your nugget. <laughs> I just don't know if I can stand up for 45 minutes. You know, after a while, they got to give me a chair like a blues singer, like the devil. How do you balance client work, that licensed Mandalorian work, and your personal work? Or is do you consider it all personal no, work there's now? there's no balance. Every morning when I wake up, there's about 100 emails. 30 of them are people yelling. Whoever's yelling the loudest and cussing the loudest is one that I address the most, the first. That's where... <laughs> You know, no, it really is. Every day there's a sense of chaos. You know, I get up as early as I possibly can and I start working and I try to, I can only do one at a time now. Um, I used to be able to do three projects at a time and move my head around. Now it's like I do one right now, Philadelphia issue 33. I'm working on right now. And once that's finished, I will move to, I've got, I owe some pages on Luke Cage. And then I owe, uh, I have a Star Wars thing I owe some pages on. So it's a constant, it's a constant sense of always writing. Stephen King says, you have homework for the rest of your life. I can see that. Yep. To be a working comic book writer, working mm-hmm. artist, you have to, mm-hmm. that it, it's volume. And you have to embrace that. It's yeah. like there are times when I get petulant about it. There are times when I just don't feel like doing this. And the part that's the professional says, regardless of how you feel, you show up. And whether it's a holiday, whether it's uh, something you really want to do outside and you want to go outside and play with your friends, you still sit down and you do the work. Yeah. Well, I am so excited about the podcast, about Philadelphia, about Spawn, about Prince, about Alice Cooper. Richard Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Pryor, everybody. As well as these unnamed horror, this unnamed horror Star Wars show has me intrigued. So and I can't wait spooky, to hear more about that. A lot of spooky stuff. I, you are so prepared because you were talking about three or four things. I'm like, how she know that? At how homework. See? How she know this one? So yeah, 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 yeah. You, you are prepared. Kudos to you, man. But also, thank you, but also kudos to your newsletter, you know, writer, mm-hmm. Anthony, because he had a, Anthony. he has, he's keeping them coming a couple times Just a week. love for Anthony. Every yes. once in a while, they pop up, and I was like, oh yeah, it is another week. And then, you know, he reminds me of what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm doing that too. Oh, man, See, I got to get me and Anthony. I need to get somebody to write you me need a newsletter Anthony. so Anthony's I can Anthony's not cheap. Up. No. Anthony's not cheap. I know I can have isn't. an apartment. I could have another apartment or someplace by the beach without if I just got rid of Anthony. Not but that you I can't, ever would, Anthony. You can't I love get rid you. of Anthony. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Anthony is the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you so much for hanging out. Thank Tell you. everybody where they can find you. At the Rodney Barnes on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is the one that's the most fun though. Um yeah, that's at, where I play X, the most. We ain't, we ain't, X is a problem these days. Yeah, I haven't, get, yes. And I haven't figured out TikTok yet. You know, I'm trying, my kids like, oh, dad, it's easy. All you got to do is this, the dance. And I'm like, I, I don't. No, you don't have to dance. Do, We're going to have a conversation. Do. You, you do anyway. great on TikTok. You ain't got to dance. Yeah, so Be- I'm, I'm like, that's, that's it. I'll figure that out, though. It's Are you on Blue coming. Sky? Are you on Blue Sky as I, well? Yes, but I don't, I, I think I pressed it twice. Because <laughs> you got threads, you got the Blue Sky, you got X, you got Instagram, you got Facebook. And you got TikTok. And I'm and sure got, I'm forgetting too. And you've got 300 emails, so... And you got 300 with 30 people cussing me out at the same time. Are you going to be doing any more conventions? And I'm kicking myself for not getting Blackula signed when I saw you. But I am doing GalaxyCon. Okay. Um, December 1st to the 3rd in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. I'm doing the Louisiana Book Fair at LSU um, the week after next. 
I don't know exactly what the day is, but the week after the next, I'm doing that. And I think that's it for this year. Whole lot of them next year, though. It's 35 of them next year. Yeah, and then the podcast, they're sending me to the monster conventions um, for the podcast. So I'll be doing the monster conventions, the cons, and the book fairs. And I just never, I live in the air. Well, I'm glad we caught you before all that started. You did, before I took off. <laughs> yes, the Wi Fi yes. sucked. no idea how Rodney does it. I'm convinced he's able to stop time or something. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And thanks to today's sponsor, Otaku Noir. I actually think they're the only subscription box service dedicated to Black comics and collectibles. Remember to use the code TheBlurGirl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-G-U-R-L, at checkout. And don't forget to check out Rodney Barnes' new podcast, Run Fool, out now on your favorite podcatcher. Please like and subscribe to the Blur Girl podcast on your favorite podcatcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you want. And you can also follow the Blur Girl podcast on the Blur Girl YouTube channel. And you can clip stuff over on YouTube now. So clip your favorite moments and tag me and share them. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.